Hold on to your butts. Welcome to Gold Guitar. Get a real guitar. I have a real guitar. Thank you. Where is it, Maddie? Jesus. Sorry about that. But it's going on now. Yep. What's happening, people? We have a very exciting one for you. Episode 115. 115. 115. Um, 115. Mm. But we are talking about yet another movie episode. This one's yet again a milestone movie in technology and in the way that it changed the movie industry forever. We are talking about Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, people. Jurassic Park. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Yep, there it is. There it is. This has been on the list for a while, and we are both very excited, actually. (laughs) This was, uh, I guess, when we were younger. I was born in 92. This movie came out in 1993, so this was already out. Um, and when we were all both when we were babies. all little babies, little so babies. this was very early on one of the first movies I think we watched together, and we couldn't get enough of watching this movie. And I remember that <laughs> it was just a lot of uh, it was a lot of rewinding on that part where that guy's taking a crap, and he gets eaten, and we would just laugh our asses off to that and just hit rewind. I remember going into Sergio's I room don't at one point, that at all. and he had a. Uh, he had the soundtrack that was for three. the Lost World. No, that was part three. He, yeah, the yet, third one. He got it wrong. His memory is so fuzzy. None of that makes sense. Yeah, but you still had the soundtrack, which is like, yeah, you know, the music in is like, do, 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 do. I could just imagine young Sergio in his room yeah, feeling all like, inspired listening mm-hmm. to the soundtrack. That was for part three. I wish I could have got it for part one. Part one has a better soundtrack. Yeah, I guess so. But we're not here to just talk about the soundtrack, people. We're here about to talk about some technical aspects, some real-life transitions of not just power, but the way production is done today, the way movies are made today. This was a very historic movie that changed and paved the way for basically what we now see as CGI movies full length mm-hmm. like Avatar and stuff like this was the very first on-screen presence of applicable CGI graphics that the eye could believe you know and it changed the industry forever so we're going to get more in depth with that and of course it's Golden Craft Cast so we're talking about craft beer and entertainment today we got some really lovely craft beers very entertaining beers. Dope graphics on the front of it. Uh, this first one, Sergio got. Where'd you get this one from, Serge? I got this from Ramirez. Okay. I was actually hunting this down. I went to like two liquor stores, and luckily Ramirez had it. That was the second one. This is Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. They had these things everywhere at one point, and then now they just like kind of disappeared. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, great timing. This is the King Sioux Double India Pale Ale. It says here on the side, this lusciously hazy double IPA gains its bold flavors of mango, orange, and pineapple from the use of delicious citra hop. 
All hail the king. Live beer. Please refrigerate. Of course, we did that. Uh, made in, what is that, Indiana? Looks like Indiana. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, let's give him a crack. No, it's Iowa. Sorry. Iowa? All right. Well, from Iowa, people. Toppling Goliath Co. Hey, Google. Where's Toppling Goliath Co. from? Let's just check right now. Out of Anaheim, California. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's weird. Maybe they have um, a brewing a brewery here. Beautiful. See, it's just down there. The history of um, oh, it does. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is Iowa. There yeah, it goes. Iowa. So it started in Iowa, people. Mm-hmm. I love the graphics on here. Fucking dope. T Rex looking guy right there. It's not a some, guy. It uh, might be a girl. I guess. I guess you're no, right. Just kidding. It says king. Be. It literally says king. King Sue. <laughs> king but Sue. it's Sue, you know? Yeah, but I mean, Sue, I know it's kind of a girl. There's an, there's a song called A Boy Named Sue. So it's the whole point. Is Johnny like, Cash. Yeah, the whole point is like, oh, he has a feminine name. All right, let's go ahead and give these a pour. Let's see what we got. Ooh. Ooh, very. Milky, hazy. Very carbonated. <laughs> this one's really, mm. you could tell it's got some juice in there. Some pineapple or I don't know what. It looks thick. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a thick boy. It looks sure. like. Um, it looks like egg yolk. It looks like nectar. Oh, like mango nectar? Yeah. One more look at the can here. Like the cans? The shit that they have in the cans? That's pretty cool. Yeah. So wow. We'll have it on display. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh-huh. Lusciously hazy, indeed. Cheers to the craft. Cheers. Cheers to Spielberg and all those ILM people and, and Phil Tibbet and the whole freaking cast. If you think about it, they were some of the first ones that were acting with like characters that weren't there. Yeah, they were one of them. One of the pioneers of acting like that. They made yeah. it believable. And you it's know? Sad. Well, I mean, there was Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we did talk about that last time. Whoa, man. Jeez. I definitely feel a lot of the fruit flavors, a lot of those no flavors there. Super bitter at the end. It's carbonated. It has a bitterness. It's like it goes down like a beer, but damn, it is juicy. Mm-hmm. It is juicy. I get pineapple and orange at the top, mango at the end in the middle, and then just ends off with a bitter hazy IPA um citra hop right mm-hmm. get those citra hops right at the end fucking hit you like a bus jesus or a jeep in this case right sorry hit you like a jeep <laughs> all right so i guess we're going to go ahead and uh hop into the origins of this movie yes so it began with a man named michael Crichton. I thought you were going to say Michael Jackson for some reason. Michael Jackson. <laughs> I know. it's just It just pops up like that. Okay, so Michael who? It's the first Michael. Michael Crichton, who's an author of uh, a lot of different books, uh, including Congo, Jermada uh, Strain. I think it was a Jermada Strain. Um, of course, the Jurassic Park novels. There was two of them. And the first one actually came out in the eight, late 80s. So 
he had talked about to Spielberg before, like he even made the book, and he explained to him like, "Oh, I'm thinking of um, writing a book about dinosaurs, and I want them to like come back." And Spielberg was like, interested. And he said like, "Huh." So that interest sparked him into saying like, "Oh, okay. Well, I kind of want to have the rights to this." Uh, book to make it into a movie so this is a few occasions where he actually got the rights before the movie before the book even got published so they made a deal through that shit let me tell you and that's a lot of part of like artists just trusting like you're gonna come out with fucking something good you know yeah and no matter what and i think that's one of the biggest things i'm getting from watching a lot of the behind the scenes stuff of spielberg it's like he had faith in his people and like he would show it yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the important thing is to have the faith of who you hired because, yeah. you know, it's very much like casting. There's a reason why you cast and there's a reason why you hire people mm-hmm. uh, for the specific job. So it's just like, okay, I got the best guy in the audio, so I'm going to trust him to pull through. And even if it's like a very challenging um, uh, thing for this movie that's going to demand for it, like they're going to go for it because mm-hmm. what, art, what any good artist is, they basically challenge. They, um, pres- they go after that challenge, and you know they pull it off. Mm-hmm. And this movie is no exception to that because people were struggling to even make this movie in the first place. Yeah, it almost seemed like a pipe dream. Like, how the fuck are we yeah. gonna do this? I mean, there was a bunch of different people. It seemed like pitching their um, what they how they would do it, and a lot of it was going towards the stop motion animation way a lot of this movie was going to get made stop motion animation yeah, that was the plan yeah and they had already done a lot of the work of you know the scenes of where the dinosaurs were in there and they were showing already um just these shots of the dinosaurs and these puppets being animated and them leaping onto stuff and how they would do how they would uh just be and like just be dinosaurs and how they would act. A lot of it was already done by Phil Spector and his group, right? Yeah, uh, Phil, not Phil Spector, Phil Tibbet. Tibbet. Phil Spector's the music guy. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, what does he yourself? sing? Huh? Who's Phil Spector then? Phil Spector's a uh, music guy. What does he sing? He doesn't sing. He was a producer. Huh. Yeah. They got accused of uh, different things. I'm not going to say. But we're talking about Phil Tibbet, and he's actually Tibbet. Like, yeah, Tibbet, Ribbit, Ribbit, who was actually already doing like uh, puppet work, you know, throughout the seventies and the eighties, and you know, he'd done a lot of the puppet um, stop motion for. Sorry, I meant to say stop motion. Stop motion for Star Wars. Yeah, you know, he was responsible for like the Tauntauns and um, the Ice the Planet, 80s, yeah, and all that. And you know the they were gonna they were, like the documentary we were actually watching. Um, a lot of people were saying that you know this is gonna be like his ultimate like his opus. It was this is gonna be like his finest work yet. But um, since they decided to make this CGI, he was just like, oh, he was still on board. But he was just like, um, the title's funny. It's called Dinosaur Supervisor, which is basically he was. Um, he was basically the guy that was like um, guiding the animators to um, reference like how these dinosaurs were to move, and 
basically he was just was just there to supervise everyone to uh to basically get it right if anything um but it's funny because there's a lot of, there's a meme out there that says oh they have like that um still of the frame at the end credits where it says dinosaur supervisor phil tibbet and it says god damn it tibbet you had one job <laughs> which we could see with the joke on that but really he was just referencing like the movement of the dinosaurs and how they would move because nobody's yeah. a, nobody has ever seen them move but they use a lot of references from like how birds move or you know how like how I think it, I think it's just like a animals lot of in general. Yeah, because they were saying like, oh, well, how would a dinosaur move when he has this big, heavy body? And then, you know, his head moves like a ton. And, you know, I think realistically, I don't think that thing moved that fast, but they wanted it to run. So they had to figure out a way to like make it seem like it's running natural. You know, right. they could have done a jerk jerky and just bury like whatever but they just wanted to do it right it almost runs like an ostrich if you look at it yeah you know like the raptors and stuff like that yeah i mean that was i mean the movie they mentioned like oh like dinosaurs are more close closer um their closest ancestors like two birds well let me say something like i think that the main thing that we're trying to get across is tibbet was he was an animator you know yeah he knew how to how to make these how to bring these dinosaurs to life and kind of do it. But the thing was he never believed that a computer could replicate a living, breathing thing. Yeah. He, because of the way he said that, I guess the way that computers were, it's so mathematical. It's so perfect that it would never be able to replicate something that was lifelike. And with the T, what is it? T 100 T 1000 with the T 1000. They were the, also the ones that, uh, made that and created that model so they said that was a lot easier because the surface was hard the surface was metallic it didn't look yeah um living it didn't look like it was a living breathing thing and what they were able to do and they did this shit very smart and i guess we could kind of get into um the graphic portion okay, yeah. on this the and what they all. did was they found this uh 3d scanner and it was the only one at the time and they scanned. It was kind of a three D scanner, yeah. They scanned a full, like, full body and exoskeleton, or I guess skeleton of you know a dinosaur, and captured the whole fossil from left to right, from the tail to its toes, and found it like very nicely preserved. So they were able to then create the bones in the three D map, and um, from there animate the bones of it but they wanted to animate a full life dinosaur so they had to figure yeah. out how to put skin on this thing make it look like it had you know body and it, it looked real you know like a real reptile so they started figuring out how to do bump maps so this was kind of the beginning of bump maps and what you know is um what you know like if you know animation or what you know now of bump maps is like basically any surface on any Thing that's made in cgi whether it be a t-shirt um a snake a whatever uh the surface of a planet you know it all has yeah. these little fractures and bumps that make it look organic so what a bump map is is basically like a texture layer over the model so it gives it 
that lifelike touch. And they colored in, they had a person literally go into this bump map and color in piece by piece from the toes all the way to the head what the colors of this T-Rex would be and did that all the way from the bottom, like painstakingly, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, after they did that, they realized like, hey, if we can make this work, we could do this for like a lot of things. But what they ended up doing was when they actually went and showed this to the producers and Steven Spielberg and everything, they literally jumped up and like leapt up and were like, oh my fucking God, like this is possible. This, is, this could work, yeah. And uh, I think, uh, play the clip. Which and then one? we got a clip of Steven Spielberg kind of mm-hmm. talking about the moment when he realized this. And then, mind you, Tibbet is the one that has already had a team that has been producing or not producing, but like creating all of the animations and graphics so far for from it. Yeah. And this is what Spielberg said. Kind of religious experience. And probably the greatest epiphany I've ever experienced in in my own world of making movies. That was the moment that I suddenly saw that everything was going to change. Not just my movie was going to be a better movie, but the entire world was going to follow in the footsteps of what Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett and ILM were bringing to Jurassic Park. It was going to change everything for all of us and for audiences everywhere. And we were never going to go back. And that right there, people, is why this movie is important. And 30 years ago, this movie came out and basically showed people that there there was a way to, as long as you could imagine it and you had the budget and know how of how to fucking do this, you could basically make anything possible. And that's why today we have movies like fucking Avatar. Uh... We got movies like Jurassic World again. How many you got CGI? Ready Player One. Um, the uh, Godzilla, King Kong, basically all of Marvel. You know, because they because you could basically make any weird creature and make it living. That's what it is, and that's like the crazy part. It's like, oh, that doesn't exist, but somehow. The movie makes it believable that it does exist. Yeah, I mean, just terrifying. like perfect example of creatures that were made to, to like yeah. that didn't exist and looked real. Fucking like uh, dragons, from Guardians the of the of Galaxy, things. the last Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yeah, those all of creepy them, ass, they're creepy ass creatures too. <laughs> yeah. And they sold it. They made them look pretty real, dude. And it was like you know you could obviously tell it's CGI, but it's like you know it's like this paved the way for it and it was a way to to bring this exciting creature that we've only seen like in stop motion animation really come to life in fluid motion and stuff like that and chase down a fucking jeep yeah you know and and do shit like that you know so that wasn't that was no small feat and mind you these were like the young guys that were kind of under the table doing this to show to Steven Spielberg, they knew that they could possibly do this, but they the the technology was relatively still new, right? And then they also just had um, this uh, Phil Spector guy, Phil Tibbet. I know. God I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to see what he would say. <laughs> yeah, if, Phil, really if, they, if they have Tibbet making yourself uh, on the team it. already, and like basically making him like 
the lead dinosaur guy, yeah. and he has his whole team the here. The whole references, yeah. For and he's already basically fucking done with this project. It's already kind of in the bag, and he's gonna about to get paid for this. Well, guess what, dude? You're still getting. You're still gonna you're be still on the on team as the dinosaur person, and I'm glad they did because I feel like that gave the animators, the CGI people, a better reference when he was there yeah. and he was kind of the one saying like, this can work, this won't work, you know? So him being there was definitely like, um, kind of the biggest judge you wanted on board to be like, okay, well if it looks better than this and yeah, definitely it's going to, it's going to sell Like it's going to be dope, you yeah. know? And I mean, basically all the money shots in Jurassic park were the beginnings of CGI. And one of them said, um, what was the, the, the dude's name? The, Which one? the, the animator, the uh, CGI. Dennis. Guy. Yeah. Dennis something. I forgot his name. Yeah. That guy basically said, like, that was a T-1000. The T-Rex was a T-1000 that they repurposed and, like, re-rigged to make um, the the T-Rex. And they just went in there and added those new bump maps, those new things that we talked about, and made this shit look living. And they still used, I believe, some of the puppets for um, some for, of the scenes, right? Yeah, even for references. And it was, like, beat by beat of everything that the dinosaurs were doing in like stop motion and it transitioned over to like CGI, you know, and it's like a really big difference, you know, the yeah. shots are similar, but just, uh, between, I mean, obviously for stop motion and CGI, it was much more natural on CGI and stuff, but it's really fascinating. You could find this thing online. You could find it like on, what was the documentary? How things work or how stuff's work. It's called, no, no, um, industrial called. light. Uh, it's called light and magic. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there's also like uh, on Disney Plus. Yeah, there's also other like documentaries where you could see like how they made Jurassic Park, like how it got made, and then there was also another one. I think it was like '90s. Dude, there's a lot. I looked on YouTube, and there's like a lot of stuff, and it's like Steven Spielberg's. But I feel for me, like that was the biggest part I wanted to talk about on the podcast was just how graphically this movie really did change the film industry and what we see in movies now is because of you know those those steps that they took to yeah. get us there you know and shit dude cheers to that dennis murin dennis murin he's the animator dennis murin mm -hmm. cheers to that dude and that other asian guy also worked for the mandalorians he's still working yeah yeah he's tight yeah he seems like a pretty good dude they seemed like in the 90s, they were like the, the grunge dudes. They were like the... They, like, yeah, like every time they were just like, let's just play some Nirvana. It's like, oh, they just came up with this album. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I <laughs> can see that totally awesome. happening. Yeah. Working on fucking Jurassic Park. During the that's 90s wild. and grunge. Oh, yeah. Man. That's wild, that right? That's sweet. Yeah. That's what they were doing. That's what they were about. And they said, that, like, back in the day, because I watched other episodes, um, they had a studio that they would throw parties in. Cause it was just like literally like it was like a basement kind of um, studio, mm -hmm. and they could just fucking play the music as loud as they wanted, and they would just be working on fucking dinosaurs, like making this shit look dope, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, speaking of like those dinosaurs and references, like there's also footage. It's online too, but we found it in a documentary where um, there was just a bunch of guys, again for references, walking around like dinosaurs. Yeah, and that was oh actually like God. the funniest thing ever. You can find this online. I that shit was ridiculous. Not. They basically, uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil was leading that whole. 
babakery right there. Yeah, he was basically making all the animators, uh, like animators, <laughs> pretend they're dinosaurs. Until one of the drawing guys, like they were doing the scene where they went and they were jumping over the log, and I guess one of the animators went and that fool like tripped over the freaking thing and broke his arm. And then we after saw, that, we saw him broke his arm. Yeah, <laughs> but they show the clip well, of him actually. Though. It's like kind of funny, like the way but they, they were filming it. themselves for reference because they were like, "This is probably what the dinosaurs would look like all together," you know? Yeah. So it's crazy what they did to like to go to these lengths to fucking get you know the final result of this and they're mm-hmm. you can see them all there like they're all fucking pretending to be dinosaurs and it's just like <laughs> it's like just imagine like a group full of you know grown adults like animators just like nerds just like pretending to be dinosaurs they look like a bunch of little kids just pretending to be yeah, dinosaurs yeah it's fucking it's awesome funny. And uh, try to be kids to make things for kids. After that day that the animator broke the arm, they were just like, "All right, no more pretending to be dinosaurs." We established we can't be dinosaurs. We'll leave it to the professionals. So then they would uh, basically they were using the models and puppets to uh, stand in for some of the scenes. Yeah, I but, wish they did. But they did actually use some puppets, right? Like some, yeah, they did. Like uh, like the scene where the triceratops is on its yeah. side and stuff like that. The, yeah, the whole. When they're on top of the tree and the triceratops are like, you know, their their heads are like popping off like that. That's all like, that's puppet work right there. That's too. Yeah. So at least they use some footage. Yeah. And it looks good, actually. It looks really good. And that's what I'm saying. And, and this, this is what they did successfully is when you see those scenes of the puppetry and the scenes of the CGI... You can tell it's the same world still, yeah. you know, and that it was is. the hardest part, I think, to get right. Yeah. Just to make it's, it all look like it belongs in the same universe. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think, like, we talked about this in uh, The Two Towers, where, you know, when they're transitioning over, like, a new technology, they're also utilizing, like, techno- like other uh, techniques from, like, the past or, you know, occurring. And it's, like, all blended in well. And this is <laughs> this, this movie is no exception. Yeah, because you're also yeah you're bringing CGI, but you're also still bringing like you know stop motion, and all that. But and they yeah, actually it's always that case. They actually yeah. did use um, they did use an actual dinosaur, I think, like uh, like puppet or oh. like the T Rex. Yeah, they used well, that, animatronics. Yeah, yeah, they used an animatronic in it, and that they actually made that using um methods from like ancient times, bro. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned about earlier on YouTube. I was watching that, like how they made the T-Rex. And basically the process was um, they would make a steel kind of structure yeah. as a foundation, like the base. And then after that, they um, like they would look at the, the model forward and then cut out the, the like the shapes of it's hard. It's kind of hard to explain on a podcast, but basically like they would cut slices. They yeah. would cut slices of the of the t-rex from a vertical view or from a top view and then cut those out in pieces of wood uh-huh. so they were able to make like kind of like a wooden structure for it and then after that they used chicken wire to kind of like make the whole thing together and then after that they used like some fiberglass um sheets to like go over it and like paint it down and they did this to the whole freaking model all the way to the tail and then after that they threw like clay and it's pretty funny because in the video you just see this guy like fucking chucking clay at this fucking dinosaur <laughs> model like all pissed off. Like you see all the all the rest of the people are just like getting the clay and just kind of like slowly melting it. And this guy's all just right, fucking Steve, like. Steve, okay, Steve's <laughs> going to do that because his, his wife just like cheated on him. So, you know, <laughs> he just put it out on him. 
So you know, this is this this is something that was created by uh, by the love of crafting and also the hate you know, that went into it apparently. Yeah. But I mean, that's the way that it just is. It's just like filmmaking. A lot of filmmaking is just making shit up that not a lot of jobs like really do. It's just like you just gotta make shit up. Yeah. Out of nowhere. I mean, the and the thing is, is like it's not just like one person was like, "This is my idea of it." We're going through with all the way. It's like he got a bunch of people together and were like, "Okay, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of this. You're in charge." I think there was one person that was specifically in charge of making creatures. And then right. um, Phil was in charge of, you know, the dinosaurs uh, yeah. movement and everything like References that. References and all that, yeah. And then on board, now the two younger guys are chosen as the main animators to make all the dinosaurs and shit like that. And I guess one of the biggest, uh, the hardest scenes for them to do was the scene where the T-Rex was chasing the Jeep. Because it needs to look like it's moving really fast when, in fact, like it's a really big creature. So he had to figure out the right algorithm to slow the animation down just enough where it looked realistic. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was kind of like, damn, that's crazy that like he had to go through all that work to like figure that shit out. Yeah, and they already shot everything down to the bone, even to like the joke of the Jeep where they had this rig that basically jolted like a part of the Jeep to go up and I never noticed I, and I was like trying to figure out like oh, is that visible in the movie turns out it's not so I was just like huh I was it's, it's all ca camera trick they fucking hide that shit like through uh, forced perspective and if anything but I don't know it's it was really cool to watch that I mean just that scene in general where you see the T-Rex going on the uh, Jeep I guess right. I guess he, he right doesn't now it's go a good... on the Jeep but you know he chases it and yeah this is a good uh <laughs> Start to go into top two. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just like, I mean, when we, I forgot to even ask. Like, when was the first time you watched this movie? Like, man, I probably had watched it with my brothers. I remember seeing it in an old VHS. You know, right? Just the cardboard one. The cardboard, and one. it was very ominous because it just had like. It was just all black and then it was just all had the black logo. and then it had the red logo on it. And I was like, what the fuck is yeah. this? I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. But then on the back, you see the picture, like a little small picture of like two two velociraptors. And so it was a kitchen scene, I think, that was on the back of the VHS. Yeah, I remember the Brachiosaurus when like, it first lifted its arm. That was like the whole image scene yeah. of it. And then they had like different clips of different scenes. Well, stuff. it was like the reveal, you know? Yeah. It was like the reveal of it. And uh, the reveal was the bron the brontosaurus. Yeah, the you know, like uh, when they pull up and then he they pull up in the jeeps and then he, they stop the jeeps. Yeah, and they look all amazed. It's too. I always want to like. It's hard now to like imagine, but I just want to imagine how people reacted to that. You know, I asked. I think I asked one person like, "Oh." Before, like, you even, like, watch this movie, I know there was, like, a stop motion, like, but what do you think about that? And I asked this person that, and I was just like, you know, like, it was just something different, you know? And it's just like, like, you, you can't imagine going back to, like, um, to stop motion. Right. It's, it's, you know, because at this point, you're already used to, like, this thing that just happened, like, early on, and, it, and all we get is, like, CGI, CGI, CGI. But... You know, you got to realize that this is the CGI where it just, like, broke grounds because, like, 
the texture, like the, like how believable it was to see like an actual dinosaur. And they didn't use stop motion. A lot of people thought it was gonna be like stop motion, but mm-hmm. when they saw that, it's just like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, fuck. And I a lot of a lot of this movie, like just the shit that they say, is so meta because after you see that um, the brachiosaurus do that. Um, he turned over. They turn over to like uh, John Hammond, who's like you know, in charge of Jurassic Park, and then they ask him like, "How do you do that?" And he's like, "I'll show you, I'll show you," you know. <laughs> but and, and then people discover how that shit was like, how that movie was made. It's like, okay, we're actually gonna show you. It's this thing that's created by fucking computers, and like this movie. It's about technology. This whole movie is about technology. It's about like computers. It's about like the fear of computers and a little bit of AI in that sense. Well, I mean, one of the biggest plots in the movie, I mean, the the plot is, you know, the hacker, you know, he I mean, goes and not, he's trying it's not to the steal. Biggest, it's not the biggest plot. But it's implied there. But it's like... But that's the reason shit starts going awry. Yeah, but it's like the reliability of technology that they rely on so much that they just like... They think that they should, but they actually did it anyways. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's like... It, it's not just like about like living dinosaurs. It's also like, you know, the consequences of technology and bringing things back that they're not supposed to be here at all. I mean... Stuff. And and that's a cool thing is like I mean just thinking about the set of just the gates you know those yeah. gates are iconic it you is. know like seeing what do you that keep stuff, in there King Kong yeah what do you keep in there right yeah it's like uh, that sells the movie that's what sells the movie and makes it realistic is that the they were able to make these consoles and these uh, like automatic gates and opening things and, and even the uh, like semi autonomous cars yeah as well you know. But they were like relying on the rail system, so it's like, it's kind of it's not predating like autonomous cars, but it's like on the way to yeah. becoming that thing. Self driving cars, basically. Yeah, like exactly. It's just like, oh, like a lot a lot of things here is just like, it's 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 basically a moral story about technology and basically about things of the natural world that you know shouldn't be. Well, they were once. But due to natural selection, uh, dinosaurs got extinct, and then them having to bring it back is just like, like, yeah, it's amazing. But like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. because after the amazement of like going into um, through Jurassic Park, there's a whole dinner scene. Which you know, if you were a kid, you would watch that, that scene as like, oh, it's so boring. It's adult talk and stuff. But as an adult, and you understand it, it's just like. Wow, that's actually the fucking heart of the movie, you know. What scene? What are you talking about? The scene. There's this whole fucking scene that they're at the dinner table, and basically there there's a bunch of projections going on, and they're projections of like, oh, it's concept bar is how much they're making in revenue. What's the estimate of like how much they're gonna make out this park? And all that it is is just like business sense and the business aspect of like how much. They're gonna make off this, uh, of this new thing that they're making. Yeah. But you know the scientists like Alan, uh, Ellie, and Ian, even Ian, Malcolm. Jeff they're all saying they're all they're all saying, bro, this is a bad, a bad idea. idea. It's a bad idea. Here's you know what, 
not only does this movie is super meta because like you know all the things that were going on in the making of this movie but also like um the making of like the other movies where it's like i mean what are they doing with this franchise you know what i mean it's just like here's a clip <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> if i may um I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had. You you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You're going to sell it. Well. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. <coughs> that's the whole movie right there. <laughs> hmm. No, but I think that's like the most important thing about this movie. Because all you think about is like, oh, it's dinosaurs, it's dinosaurs, but it's like much more than that. And that's the only... I think that's the only reason why the first movie actually worked and then the rest of the sequel just didn't. But it's also saying about a very important moral message that even the book like was uh, very much establishing stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just like not all fun and games, but it was just also like the dangers of having to bring something back from, from the dead and stuff. It's a Frankenstein story in itself, if you think about it. It's a monster yeah. movie. Yeah, it's a monster movie for sure. I mean, but it's just, I mean, it's cool in the aspect of we're able to see these things for the first time in a way that has never been shown before, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's exciting, I think. And I think just, again, like the first, like the only way the first movie worked is because, you know, it was exciting. Yeah. And then now we're just so used to that you just don't even think about it. Yeah, and I mean now it's more about the action, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then it was just like it was a there was a story that was like essence to, you know, kind of what the whole meaning behind everything and why they were taking the steps they were taking, and you know this you got this eccentric old man over here, you know, just like kind of leading the charge, and it's just exactly like, it was a man with a dream. Like you don't get like nowadays if you were to do something like that. It would be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is this cheesy as fuck, you know? Like, I feel like if you would see, like, an eccentric old man, like, you know, like, I think eccentric like that, old mans are never going to stop yeah. from becoming old or eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not wrong in that aspect. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of what this movie is about is also, like, life and death in yeah. itself, you know? Because if you really pay attention... And it took me a while. I watched this movie like 73 times, I think. <laughs> I lost count. I watched this since I was like three, I think. Um, I don't I don't remember what was the first time I watched it. But what I always did notice is the color use. Um, there's a lot of usage of colors and stuff. Yeah. You know, with like Alan and Ellie, like they use blue colors and uh, pink colors a lot. And that's just, like, to establish, like, oh, there's a gender identification in this movie, you know? 
because they make a whole point where like, oh, all the dinosaurs are female, so that way they don't breed. But it turns out they could still breed. Yeah, they somehow could still breed because they, without thinking about it, they put frog DNA, and when it comes to frogs, they could actually change genders. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was the one plot of it, and that's how they were able to you start seeing eggs and stuff. Exactly. So they were just like, I thought Grandpa said like all the eggs, all the dinosaurs were girls. And then what does he say? And then he's like, they did put frogs DNA. They did tell us that. I remember what Ian says after that. He goes, nature life finds a way. Life finds a way. Your life finds a way, right? Yeah. Because they just don't know like what the concept, well, how... How it's gonna, how the concepts are gonna turn out? Cause anything, it could go any way. Um, I, I'm gonna go this far. I didn't make this revelation. Um, because this movie is about technology, and of course, AI is definitely coming huh. to kill us all. But a lot of the AI is much like the dinosaurs. You made it, and then somehow you don't, you don't know the consequences of that. And there's a lot of freaking um, things that they didn't predict. They didn't predict that the raptors were going to learn to open doors. You didn't predict that, you know, they they could change their own race. Or they uh, gender. Not race, um, gender. And there was just a lot of things that Malcolm was pointing out that was like good points. But at the same time, he was getting ignored. And then what do you know? He was right. And sometimes he hates being right. <laughs> Yeah. As soon as he that T Rex just comes out like that. But yeah, um that and also the way that um John Hammond was dressed in white and Ian Malcolm was black. It's almost like God and the devil were fighting. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of imagery that was just there. It's just like this movie is just some people call it as perfect because all everything has a meaning into it. From like from down to like where uh, Alan was just like, oh, he was um, at the beginning when they were like uh, going down on the helicopter. They were touching down. They were landing on the helicopter. He didn't have like uh, the seatbelt where like, oh, you know, you have to put this one into this one. And instead, like, oh, I can't find the other one. So he had like two little um, uh, ones that were like inserted or I we would say like the female version of it. <laughs> And just like wrap it together. And it's just like, it's a funny scene, but that's also meaningful. And it's just like, oh, now I fucking get it. You know, again, just like a lot of gender shit going huh. on. And yeah, it's just a lot of debate. Well, a lot of things that you could like digest and just like analyze in this movie. You know, like all this shit's made for some of the things are made for laughs, but also it's like. There's meaning behind it. There's meaning behind it and stuff, you know. Huh. Even down to like John Hammond saying, um, we spare no expense. Right. You know, because every time he said it, I never noticed it, but every time he said it, it's a different meaning. I got the clip. Spared no expense. Spared no expense. Spared no expense. We spared no expense. Spared no expense. (laughs) He said it five times. I never noticed that. Holy shit, that's a lot of times. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, what, was he, what was each one talking about? It's, the first one was what? The first one, I don't remember. It was also for different reasons. And it was, 
when he said that, it was like, oh, he did spare an expense. Or, but what he's saying is like, oh, it was totally worth it. That's what he's actually saying. Uh-huh. It was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. I think that last part was like him saying that. And I'm just like, fuck. Again, a lot of things to digest for this movie. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, to take in. All right, beer check. How you doing? I like this beer. It's very fruity. Very fruity beer. I freaking like it. So, like, very fruity. It's very topical to, like, what we were talking about. Because, again, this movie takes place in, like, uh, Costa Rica, which is tropical and stuff. Not even mention. It was a hard shoot because they shot this shit in Hawaii. Yeah. And there was a rainstorm going on. And some of the footage. They shot it during hurricanes. Yeah. And some of the footage that they have of, you know, the hurricane that was going on in the movie. That's actual real footage that was happening during the production of this movie. And Uh stuff. So I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, this is fucking amazing. That. Like the lightning and shit was real then? Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, that was all real footage, bro. <laughs> like, of the, you know. That's why it seems so intense. I mean. Like, the wind was blowing. Like, that shit was fucking crazy. Yeah. They were like, all right, we're going to do it. They got to match it. Cause That's crazy. It was just, like, tropical and everything. And it's just like, oh, we got to have rain. And, again, um, another difficult thing was the T-Rex when it actually moved as an animatronic. Because, you know, it was a lot of... uh. Was it made latex for the skin? I mean, if you put water on that shit, it's gonna weigh it down, and they had a difficult time of moving the actual like animatronic from that. So, there's um, you could kind of notice it like in the movie in some shots where it's like kind of jerky, and that's due to the water weighing down on the latex or the layer of that uh, of the T Rex. Oh yeah, they like, had moving. to keep drying it or something. Right? Yeah, they had to keep drying that shit, and they had to like. You know, just kept going on with it. And it's weird to, like, think about, uh, know that, uh, knowing that Spielberg's, this isn't Spielberg's, like, first rodeo when it comes to, like, mechanical um, things. Like, uh, like things you didn't, like, initially think about when you created. No, the, no, no. I'm saying, like, in, in the past experience for Spielberg, because he also had, like, a difficulty with jaws because mechanically they couldn't move mm. it like the way that it did and that's the fucking thing about cgi that you can't that like beats yeah. it 100 you don't have to deal with all it's those really elements. hard yeah it's you have to physically you well you have to create them you have to create the elements you know and that's the whole thing about it you're creating these elements that normally you know rain and stuff like that that's real but you know, like they didn't foresee the latex having. Well, maybe they did foresee the latex. I think they did being weighed down. But I mean, that puts time off production. You know, that mm-hmm. takes time off production, and it's like that extra money is probably worth spending to you know do it the CGI route. You know. Yeah, if anything, but I, I think they just did it right because they didn't just util- utilize like you know CGI, but also animatronics. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what ages so well in this movie and, and a lot of people argue like oh yeah this movie's way better than anything we see like nowadays it's not entirely true but you know i get what they're saying and stuff oh yeah i mean it's definitely because i mean that's what they're doing they're starting to do now again is they're mixing 
real life practical effects with CGI and it gives it a more realistic look. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Because artific- <laughs> they were Artifici- already going to yeah. go off the bat with practical effects. This was going to be a practical effects movie. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'm thinking about that's kind of like more in the whole picture of things is artificiality and natural things. Right. You know, like yeah. you're making something, you know, artificially and then you're making something that's like, oh, that's natural in that sense. Meta, bro. Meta. Mm-hmm. A lot of, yeah. Even down to like, um, uh, I, I think there's a part where like they're going up the stairs and then, of course, after watching the brachiosaurus, they're like, I guess we're out of the job. They're talking about archaeology, not archaeology, paleontology. Yeah. And then Ian Malcolm just walks away and then says, I guess, don't you mean extinct? Yeah. I wish I could have had that clip, but we had too many clips in this. Well, they they said that in, uh, you know, they said that when he took Phil, when Steven Spielberg, after they watched that clip mm-hmm. and he said, we're doing the movie this way. He's like, it looks fucking way better. Like, we're doing the movie this way. He took Phil aside because, you know, they said, like, like Spielberg, he was an emotional guy. Well, like, he could read people, you know? He was a people right. person, you know? So he knew this was a big fucking blow to him because it was like they were already planning to do it with his route, you know? So he took him aside and he was like, hey, man, like, how do you feel about this? And he kind of just looked at him and said, I feel extinct. And Spielberg <laughs> went like, that's a good line. We're putting it in the movie. <laughs> I think that's, that's how it went. It's just like, oh shit. That's like, the whole buildup is like, you know, at first he's like an emotional guy and he's he's just like snaps out of it and he's like, That's a good line, we're gonna put that in the movie. We're gonna put that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's you know, everything happens for a reason. I think this movie is just like, okay, well we know we're taking a big step, so we might as well go all the way with this, inside jokes or not. But I mean it's just it's hella great and everything. Um, I want to talk about the characters. Let's do it. Why don't you finish that beer and we'll crack another one open? Yay. And then uh, we'll go from there. Dude, the end of this beer is phenomenal. You get all of the texture and the tones of the beer right at the end, dude. It's like this little I think one. The bitterness just went down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like- I, I mean, it kind of went away towards the middle. When we did the middle beer check for me. Yeah. But now towards the end of it, I'm getting a really hazy, really tropical kind of lactose I mean, because that's what they do to bring on the hazy. I think they put lactose, right? Like a little bit of lactose. Yeah, it seems like they do have a lot of lactose in some of the beers and stuff. But only but this to bring one just it... is really... Just smell it. What is the benefit of putting lactose in the beer? It gives it the hazy texture. Really? Gives it that milkiness. Yeah, yeah. but... And I mean, for some of them, gives it like a richer texture. Like, think about like the chocolate stouts. Right. Well, yeah, I'm thinking in terms of like chocolate stouts and all that. But I understand stouts, but something like an I, like a double IPA. I mean, you're seeing the result right here. This it is tastes, what it is. Yeah. It gives it gives it like that texture. You kind of get that mouthfeel of, uh, I don't know. It's like the it's like little graininess. And I've seen at the bottom of some, you know, because like when. A hazy IPA has been on the shelf for a while and not refrigerated. You could tell, like, they, it kind of gets a buildup. It's like a little white buildup or whatever. Like it's a and resin? you can see it at the bottom of your glass sometimes. Oh. 
Yeah. Is it here? But this one, no, you can't see it because no. it's been refri- you've been not. refrigerating it the whole time, right? Yeah, basically. You got it from the refrigerator at Ramirez, mm-hmm. then that's why. See, when it's a hazy beer, you want to keep that shit refrigerated like all the time. Yeah, duly noted. Yeah. If anything, uh, let's take a quick break on this one. We're back, people, with a brand new beer. What do we got over here? We have the <laughs> Lawson at Shore, a Bohemian-style Pilsner by so, Delhunt Brewing Company. So I picked this out because it's an island. Jurassic Park's an island. Uh-huh. And there was a lot of island-related beers, but this one just had the funniest stony-looking guy on it, so I had to get it. It stands out. Look at that. It's funny. That's comedy right there. It just makes me smile. Yeah. I'm going to keep one in my fridge just so I can see this guy. Maybe because it looks like you. <laughs> Maybe. I don't have a beard like that. Yeah. He looks like he's lost oh, on he the island and he don't give like a that. shit neither. Yeah, he looks like... Crazy looking crab. Chizo's the artist is. Yeah. His, uh, tags on this would have been perfect ass. for like a castaway uh, episode. I know, dude. Cut fucking Castaway, <laughs> dude. We did watch Castaway. We we need to do like uh, when we watch the movie and just do commentary on it. Yeah, it's just like Can a we watch do along. That? Yeah, we could do a watch along if anything. But That'd you have dope. to watch it along with us. That's the whole point. How we can't we, we can't we can't put the audio of the movie in there, but you have to watch it at the same time as we can, so that way it works. That's kind of funny. That yeah, would be kind people of, have been doing could, that shit. I don't know. We could I see if that, that works. Shit. Okay, check this out. It has some verbiage on the side. Left at the gates of the eternal sand crystals with no knowledge of rescue to return, survivors must endure the harsh land and acid volcanoes in order to defeat the elements of these lost lands. For the Pilsner, we brewed a bohemian-style lager with floor-malted Pilsner-attached northern German Vienna malts. Ooh, sounds fancy. When then we then hop this beer with Czech Saz hops throughout the brewing and fermentation process, giving it notes of jungle cedar, dry lemons, ciabatta crackers, and subtle lavender finish. What the fuck is going on with this beer, dude? It sounds awesome, <laughs> though. We're about to find out. Let's give it a crack. Oh yeah, Peggy Hill. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Eh, a whole lot lighter from the looks of it. This light bodied beer. It's yeah. a Pilsner. But you know what it got me with? Jungle Cedar? What the fuck? Jungle Cedar, my dude? What the hell? What is jungle cedar? I want to know what it tastes like. Cheers. Cheers. Whoa. It's like a dank pilsner. Kind of. It's like space dust, but a pilsner. It's Yeah, it's definitely... It definitely smells like a pilsner. It looks like a pilsner, acts like a looks pilsner, like a pilsner, but it tastes like, like apparently jungle cedar. Jungle cedar. What? <laughs> That's what it said, bro. It's a yeah, jungle I know. cedar. It's just like 
Is this what a jungle cedar tastes like? Giving it notes. We then hopped it with Czech Saz Hops. Czech Saz Hops. That's what it says. Huh. It's C-Z-E-C-H. Pretty sure it's pronounced Czech, right? I don't know, but hey. Who are we to say? Like, honestly, I don't even know what to say about this beer. Yeah, I know. Because it's almost like I've tried this beer before, but I haven't. Yeah, it's like, it's almost going into that territory of going into uh, Bud Light. Yeah, because it's a Pilsner. It's super light, but it's like. There's like a weediness to it. Like off, like it's a five point two, so I it's drink not. It and then I just like, like I kind of taste it a little bit, and there's like a weediness to it that's like similar to like Bud Light, but I can't like make a full assessment on like, on like how I actually feel about it. I still have mixed feelings. Sorry, but I think it's just like the bitterness I still have from the other beer, if anything. Man, I don't know. This is just for me. It's like it's giving that lighter. Like it's not as carbonated as the last beer. You know, it's like it's more carbonated. Really? For you? For, for me, it's I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the bubbles and it's like the other one had a lot more bubbles in it. This one's a little more. I guess so. Hmm. I don't know. Well, it's going to take some it's time. It's weird. It's bitter, but it, there's like a there's like a lemon zing. Like if you just try, yeah, it, just taste like a see. little, little bit. Yeah, no, like try, try just a little bit. Like don't do a full gulp, just like a little bit. There's lemony zest in there. I kind of know what you mean. Yeah, it's getting there. Okay, There's let's a move forward. Yeah, we'll do a beer check later. <sighs> All, right, All right, so we want to talk about characters now of Jurassic Park. Characters, yeah. So. I think characters is like the most important part of this movie. Wait, hold on real quick. Hey, Google, what day did Jurassic Park come out? June 12, 1993. Damn it. June 11th. June 11th, 1993. You know, that was on a Sunday when it actually came out well, of this year, of the anniversary. And then the next no. day, I went to Universal, and it was on the 12th. In 1993, you went? No, 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 no. I'm saying because it was 30. Hey, shut up. Oh, she heard me. She heard me say that I went to Universal. (laughs) No, I went to Universal the day after June 11th. I went on the 12th. And then during the studio tour, they tell us like, oh, just yesterday is the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park. And I'm just like, damn right it is. (laughs) That's fucking dope. Yeah. I wish I could have gone on the day, but you know. Wait, it was like an automated person saying that? Like, no, 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 no. It was actually an actual person saying that. Oh, that's that cool that tour. they know that. Yeah. So they got to know that. I mean, it's like they're the studio tour guy. guy yeah. You know? But yeah, I wish I could have gone on man, Sunday. That's wild. Yeah. Because Universe is actually getting kind of uh, overpopulated, I would say. So. Even on going on the Monday, it's just, like, really bad. It's just, like, there's so many wait times. It's just, like, oh, fuck. And forget it. On the weekends, it's much worse. Way worse. But anyways, I went there. I got these cups. It was a good time. I actually went to the Jurassic World um, ride for the first time. In this one, you actually see a yeah. lot of dinosaurs, bro. <laughs> you see more than 
wait, I, I wish they could have changed some of the animatronics, but I guess it still works. But yeah, some of the new changes they work, like with the Dominus Rex. Oh, uh, Dominus, yeah, Dominus yeah. Rex coming down. It's just like, oh shit, that shit came out of nowhere. That, that shit's dope. Right. Well, when you see him fighting shit, that <laughs> shit was dope. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck? I was like, no. I was like, there's no way. Like, there's they're actually no fucking fighting right here. I, think, I was like, that was tight. I think that's the one overseas, but yeah, sure. <laughs> they fight. Let them fight. That shit was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Characters. The T-Rex. The T-Rex is the character. He's vicious, man. She's vicious. She's vicious. And let me tell you, that's the same one that they had in the new one. Yeah. I don't know why. That shit's like 30 years old. <laughs> it's like, goddamn girl, like, argh. she got her ass beat. She almost got her ass beat. She let nature pave a way, find a way. But yet, she found a way to fucking fight there you that go. shit. All right, that's a good uh, synopsis on the T-Rex character. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Um, well, who's your favorite character? I like Alan Grant. Okay. Um, he reminds you of the... your dad? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> You're tripping me out. No, it's because, you know what it is? Also, another character that reminds me of my dad, Indiana Jones. And they were actually going for like, what if we make him into an Indiana Jones type of character? Uh-huh. So, in the concept art of Jurassic Park, you can kind of see, like, the Indiana Jones-esque huh. character in that. And right. it's just like, oh, shit. And then, you know, it does kind of remind me of my dad and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then we also have Ellie, which is, like, um, she's, what is, she studies plants. But I don't know what the term is. Herbologist. I guess that's what it's called. And, you know, she's smart and she's able to figure out how to, like, um, identify, like, a plant. And, oh, also a thing in the movie that you didn't realize is just not only did they bring back animals from back in the past, they also bought plants from back in the past. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And in, they didn't show this in the movie, but in the trailer, uh, on their way to seeing the uh, Brachiosaurus, she actually, like, picks up. From the trailer, she picks up like a plant, like out of nowhere, and she like rips it apart, and she's seen that shit. And if you were to watch this carefully, in the movie, she's actually still looking at that same plant, and she's making a comment about that. But a lot of people don't really like pick that shit up, unless you watch the trailer and then watch the movie, and it's like, oh, that makes much more sense. But a lot of us actually just watch the movie as opposed to watching the trailer, but. Yeah, she's she's a dominant force in this movie because she makes a lot of good comments about um about feminism and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think this was this was one of the ones where it was kind of like she was at at a moment a damsel in distress, but she was also making moves to like make sure that all the gates would be locked and no, stuff like no, that. No, she was I I would argue against that. She was not a damsel in distress. I think she held her own. To the point where, like, okay, well... She needed help. No, she did not need help at all. Yeah, because remember when she was calling when... uh, What's-his-name's arm was caught in the thing, and she was like, oh, my God! Yeah, but she just ran, and she just, like... She didn't need any help, and they make a good comment where, like, 
they were about to go into like um go turn up the power again mm-hmm. and she said like okay well i'm gonna go with molden to yeah. you know restore the power and then there's a moment where like john ham is just like well you can't go because you're you're you're, you're okay later when i come back we're gonna talk about sexism and you know this te- uh not technique but uh, the topic of sex, uh, sexism and in survival situations, and that is like <laughs> theming over the whole movie in itself. Too. Yeah, well, again with gender becoming an important role in this movie and stuff. But she actually holds her own. She ran away from the fucking raptor. Barely fucking a. That shit was wild. She fucking ran from that shit. Well, I mean, I'm, she also I mean, during went that into scene, danger too. Yeah, she went. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Only Both at that times. scene when she needed help was she like. The damsel, but all the other moments in the movie, what she was fucking a force to I be think, reckoned I think with. it was just a force throughout the whole movie, but I'm just uh, excuse <laughs> me. But yeah, definitely a strong female character, and played none other by like Lauren Dorn. Uh, yeah, Lauren Dern, and I feel like she's made a comeback in the few years that you know we've been watching movies, and it's just like oh, early on she was this character. And then everyone appreciates that shit. And it's just like, oh, duly noted. Yeah. You know, so I think the work for her, it was just like done. It's just like, oh, she's always been a strong female character. Yeah. But yeah, I like her. She's she's fucking great. I. <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but this guy, I was watching this, um, uh, I forgot what. YouTube channel it was, but they were analyzing Jurassic Park, and literally this guy was dressed as Lauren Dern, like he had like the pink fucking, um, uh, just the denim shirt. Sorry, we don't do that shit on this podcast. Yeah, she had a pink denim shirt, and then you know he was just like, dude, I just had a crush on her, and you know I'm literally dressing as her, and I'm just like, we live at a Damon age where like gender identification is a thing and it's just like you know what by all means by all means if so you are you gonna dress up as her for Halloween I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's just like I like the appreciation even though like it's not something that I would do to appreciate like you know a female <laughs> character but by all means fucking go for it bro <laughs> but yeah we're leaving at this time and age and of course it's the movie about like you know general does play a big game on this movie and life finds a way life finds a way <laughs> let's talk about ian malcolm yeah he's uh i think out of all of them he's probably my favorite character yeah just because That's he's, my second favorite he's, character. he's the most uh like down to earth one he's just being real about the whole situation yeah and he's kind of just looking at it looking at all of it uh, even though it seems like he's just tripping out on everything, he's really looking at it from a scientific lens, the whole ex- the whole entire time. Yeah, and exactly. doing it in a way like when you think about scientists, you don't think about Doctor Ian Malcolm. No, he's if anything, he's like the rock star of you know. That's what I'm saying. And even, they even said it in the movie, he's like, "Oh, you gotta get used to his personality. He's sort of like the rock star in math." math. Uh, yeah, about math, and he's like, "No, no, no, no." I like to think about it. Chaotician. And chaotician is not a real thing. He just made that shit up because he's just like, I'm my own thing that you can't define me. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's what like a rock about. star. He dresses all in black, which is fucking funny. But also, he's he's a common sense in this movie, and I think the he has all the best lines in this fucking. That's movie. what I'm saying. You know what It's I mean? not that he has the best lines. It's that he comes up with the best lines. His character comes up with the best lines. His character's a badass. That's why when I they like find him. him after the T Rex attack, he's like, "Remind me to thank um, John for the uh, greatest weekend." <laughs> like the sarcasm, the fucking, yeah. the off the top, Even when he's the one liners. Yeah. You know, I know I butcher that line, but you know he's. Yeah, he's the sarcasm is charismatic, there, but even as like the darkest moments that happened to him at that moment. He's fine. He tries to find a way to like humor it. I think it's just like his uh, coping what? mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's just all about this. It's just dark humor. It's just the dark uh, components of all that. That's what I'm saying. And that's the first kind He's of the devil. <laughs> well, that's the first time you see you see a, you've seen a character like that in one of his movies. Right. Because he's definitely played like a character like um, I would say the fly. He was definitely like a scientist. Mm-hmm. But he was a scientist that was like a little fucked up and, you know, he was in love. Well, he was thinking he was thinking about things 10 steps ahead. Yeah. You know what I'm but, saying? Yeah, because I think what was asked for him is like, oh, you're a fucking genius, but you're just eccentric and young. Yeah. As opposed to being old and eccentric. Like how it is with like John Hammond, his opposite. Let's talk about John Hammond. Yeah, he's one of my favorite characters for sure. He's probably my second favorite character. Um, old eccentric dude wears all white, has a beard that's white, wears glasses, ha- walks around with the cane of the actual mosquito that fucking started Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. He is like the symbolism, like the ultimate symbolism of optimism and innovation. Like it's just all the calling cards for like what it means to be God. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like the all powerful person there. Yeah. He's like the all father in that. He's like the Thor. He's the Zeus. He's just the guy that just like, oh, I made all this happen. And when he brings the scientists who are all realists, he's just like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. But they're all the voice of reasons. But yet this guy's just through his arrogance. He's just like not believing every word refuses to believe like, okay, well I'm expecting good criticism from this when it happens at the dinner table. But yet he's bringing all the points that he should be hearing, should be considering at, at that point of the scene, but he's not. And he's just like, I think he's just so overwhelmed with the, the fact that he actually made it happen. Like he's, he's so, so he's, um, he's in denial of like, he might have seen this promise happen, but he's in denial that it's like, oh, let's just focus on the positive. Yeah, I mean, well, he's trying to sell it. He's being a salesman right. in in there this in this movie. You know, like that's his role right now. He's trying to get the funding. He's trying to get the scientists to back him up. He's trying to get everything possible so he looks like, you know, um. He's he's basically making sure that it's safe for everybody for the public to visit. He wants to put that appearance on, like you know that's why he's treating them so nice. He brought his grandkids right right over to to come and witness 
Adam and Eve. Yeah. The Paradise. Exactly. Yeah. Another God reference. But, yeah, he kind of ignores that shit. Um, I don't know. Even, like, in the Raptor scene when, like, he's making that point. Well, Ian Malcolm is making that point where it's just, like, you know, life finds a way. They're witnessing, like, a raptor hatching from the egg and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I th- uh, if you really notice, like, I think the staging of that fucking scene where, like, they're absorbing the raptors. Like the embryo? Yeah, the embryo and all that. And it's, like, oval, right? Yeah. You see Ian Malcolm sort of, like, circle around. Yeah. Taking all that shit in and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you just see, like, Hammy just excited and happy. He's all like, I make sure that every hash, every hashing that happens, like I'm there. Like they, they have to imprint on me. And it's sort of like that force of arrogance that's just like going on and being involved while like Ian is absorbing everything and just like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. So it's just like, it seemed like good and evil, but at the same time, it's like, it's very complex. It's just the opposite way. It's just like, no, 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 no. You're not thinking of like the consequences of this, and I think Hamish is uh, again blinded by his ambitions. Yeah, and uh, he's just that's, like that's def- that's what I was trying to say. And also the also the optimist and it's also blinding him from like you know. Well, it's not just optimism. He's not just talking the talk. He's walking the walk. Yeah. You know, like he has these fucking dinosaurs in his park right now, living, breathing animals and creatures, you know, but did he foresee the fact that they would be able to breed again? No, you know, and that was his fault. Yeah. You know, and um, like like you said, like that clip from uh, Ian Malcolm earlier is they were so involved with everything. They never thought what if they were what they were doing was right. You know, they were so worried about if they could do it or if they should do it. Yeah, they were too excited to think like, oh, this is possible. Let's just fucking do it. Well, that's all of them. That was the whole mentality that he put on that whole his whole scientist. Because if, if he was in charge of the scientist group, you know, and he has that outlook, then he's definitely imprinting that onto them, the yeah. scientists. It's also going back how Spielberg is supporting, like, all the people he's hired. Yeah. In that sense. I mean, definitely a just cool eccentric of- character. Kind of reminds me of uh, the eccentric old man from Atlantis. If you've ever seen Atlantis, yeah, 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 yeah. really, yeah, because he's rich. Okay. He's like all into like old stuff and creatures. And yeah. If you noticed, uh, this is totally sidebar, but in Atlantis, when he's you're in the his living quarters and you see the um, aquarium behind him, yeah, he actually has extinct like fish and stuff inside uh, his yeah. aquarium. It is, you know, so. There's yeah, that. definitely passionate about like the marine life and. I think I want to watch that movie tonight. I think I wanted to. I think after this, I haven't watched that movie in so long. That's one of my favorite movies, dude. You know, you want to? I think I told you this, but the first time I watched it was like at the Norwalk. Um, it was like a little theater there that was like only like, it's cheap. It's like six yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after I came out of the movie, guess who I saw? I saw Javi there, and also Cassie, and then. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the spot. That's we the go. spot. And that I was, was like, oh shit! It was like we watched the same movie. It's like, yeah, bro. It's like, oh fuck, that's funny. That was a super saver. Yeah, the super saver, super memories. Go there. 
There you go. <laughs> Anyways, moving we forward. Uh, other characters in the movie. Uh, we did the Doctor, Ian Malcolm. The, the Gennaro. Two, um, phil- the blood-sucking lawyer. Oh, yeah. You know, if this movie was a PG-13, I'm sure it would be cock-sucking lawyer. <laughs> Dude, fuck I know that's Jesus. what they mean. That lawyer, man, he was he was the one that was just concerned with the numbers. Yeah. And concerned with uh, I think after liability. he just saw what he made, he was just so like, fuck the consequences, fuck it. It's like, we're going to make money off this. Because, of course, it's like lawyers and stuff. Yeah. And, um, again, another Jaws connection. Um, Spielberg actually based the shark uh, from that movie based on his lawyer who was named Bruce. And then that was the nickname for that fucking uh, mechanical shark, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> fucking A. Yeah. And of course, if you watch Finding Nemo, that's the reason why they call him Bruce. You could also learn that in the Universal Tour at Universal Studios. Go visit. But I would. <laughs> I'm like, you just need a pass there, man. Honestly, you just have to go for Express. It's fucking packed, but if you go express, it'll totally be worth it. I didn't do that, but I wish I did. Yeah. That's the way to go. That's what I do during Horror Nights. Express all the way. 40 bucks. Worth it. We got um, to talk, talk about the children. Yeah, the the two, Adam and Eve, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, what are their names? Uh, Lexi and... Adam? Billy? No. Billy? <laughs> Billy? Timmy. Timmy, that's right. Yeah. Tim! Tim! So Tim is like the dinosaur expert while Lexi's like the computer nerd. I'm not a computer nerd. I'm a hacker. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. This was the first movie that like... Uh, One of the first movies. You, well, you see computers really take a big role in the, in the whole story. Yeah. You know? It, yeah, I mean, this is the point of the technology. Just like, you know, you have someone that's like, oh knows about technology which is the innovation moving forward when it comes to like human um when it comes to like you know our future and whatnot yeah. and then we also have paleontology which is what Timmy is thinking about and that's like the history that's the study of the past basically so we got like two you know yeah different degrees of uh opposite realms of the spectrum and stuff so it's just like oh that's kind of funny <laughs> Yeah, it's like one knows all of the natural world and one knows all of the technology artificial. world. Artificial. All artificial stuff. Natural you know? versus artificial reality. Um, and they <laughs> both work together to kind of overcome their overcome what's going on. Because yeah. she's the one that saves everybody, the girl. Yeah, exactly. I will feel like she's more of the dancer of distress in this movie. Because I don't feel like... Until she gets beginning. on that keyboard... Until she gets on that keyboard, she yeah. knows what she's doing. And well, she she's also everyone. younger. She's a kid, you know? So, yeah. like, both of them were... I mean, even the younger kid was a damsel in distress. That Timmy boy. That's true. You know? He, yeah. If anything. But I think, like... I, I mean, but that's what through, I feel like. Having the kids there kind of up the stakes on everything. Because it's like... True. You but know, now the adults, the, yeah. now the adults kind of have to look after the kids and you know that, you know, like the well, kids that's, are kind of, that's the, yeah. Well, that's the thing when it comes to the beginning of like, you know, when we're introduced to Alan and Ellie, Alan doesn't even like kids and then Ellie does. So yeah. 
basically Alan has like a whole arc about like oh well he dislikes kids and then you really get to see that when he scares the kid about like the whole raptor scene yeah when he says like oh it looks like like a a giant chicken to me it just looks like a um, six foot turkey to me and then everyone laughs and then also another scene another thing about that scene everyone's dressed like them they have like this red and blue thing going on huh yeah so he's just like they're super fast but at the same time again gender roles mm-hmm. so in that scene he basically explains like oh raptors are actually pretty scary if anything they don't attack you like you know foot forward they come from the sides which is not only serving like a character act where like oh Alan hates kids and he's mm-hmm. gonna scare this kid straight but it's also foreshadowing how raptors actually attack mm-hmm. and stuff so he's just like we got this beginning of his fascination with you know dinosaurs which fascinate the fascination with dinosaurs begin when you're a kid and you're just basically a big kid but you don't like kids in the first place and by the end of the movie once you get to know the kids even like asking one of the kids like oh What's that dinosaur there? Where he could have just like, um, just pretty much like, uh, what do you call it? Just estimate, no, not estimate it, but just like educationally guess like what that dinosaur was. Uh-huh. But instead, he just went back to him and said like, "Oh, Timmy, like, what's that dinosaur?" I think that was like a bit of that growth going into it. Uh-huh. And by the end of the movie, he's basically like the father figure in that movie. Well, yeah, he he definitely is, and and the thing is, is like. Timmy gives that context of like he's giving him hope almost in you know yeah kids and stuff like that because he see, he sees that Timmy's smart he sees that he knows Timmy's, his shit he sees Timmy through him yeah in that sense yeah you know and then also like yeah that's a big positive on this movie but also a big negative because you don't really get to see that same um how would I say it? um. How would I say it? Like, just like because he doesn't treat like Timmy the same way he treats like with Lexi, right? But with Lexi, he's just like okay. Well, he's being careful with Lexi, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like oh, they're not sharing the same passion, you know? Yeah. Because he doesn't like technology mm-hmm. at all, so it's like he doesn't have anything for her. So I don't know. It's just one of the little flaws about that movie where we could have seen Lexi, you know. We definitely see her pull her own, but definitely see like a growth. But I think that was that was the whole thing about it, too, is because it was so undermined. Exactly. You know, it was undermined. And then at the end of it, it it ends up being the thing that saves them. Yeah. It it just seems like kind of out of nowhere. I wish we could have seen like a little power of that. But you know what? I think I'm not going to like totally um, make that a big fall of the oh flaw of the movie. In that sense, but I mean, either way, it just works its uh, cards right when it comes to like what this movie was trying to be. But I mean, yeah, it's a good combination between. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but the opposite of like uh, the natural arti- artificiality yeah. between the two. But definitely Adam and Eve. That's what we do on this podcast, That's what baby. We do. That's what we do. Yeah. Who else? Um, Molden. He's the game warden, the guy in the beginning, the guy that clever girl. <laughs>
Thank you. You mean the guy that terribly gets eaten? <coughs> yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> Even though it's off screen, you know what the fuck is going on. But it that's like, like we said before, he made, um, Alan made a foreshadowing of that, and then we got to see it on one of the characters that didn't deserve it. And that, that, that's what was cool about this movie, too. It's like the shaking of the trees. Like, you didn't have to see what was there, but you could just, like, imagine. It's like, through imagine. your imagination that you, yeah, you, yeah all that shit gets, like, uh, filled in. Because you really don't know what's going on, but you see the shaking, you see the coverage, you know he's getting attacked, and, you know, it's like a puppet, well, prosthetic, no, yeah, it's a puppet, basically. Uh, an animatronic of a freaking um, raptor just on top of him. It looks silly in context, but... In reality, it's just like an animal attacking you. You know, and it's just like, it's fucking terrible. And I'm just like, I like that guy. Man, that guy was cool, but you know what? He was something that the new guy wasn't in uh, the new Jurassic World. Right. Uh, what's his name? Um, Peter. Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. The Chris Pratt character. Yeah. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't like him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because he, he was trying to befriend them. Like that main dude, he was more of like he was he was more of the hunter guy. Yeah, he, he was, was he only, knew how to take him out. He was a hunter only because of the context of what he's seen before. Because of course, like the beginning of the whole movie, it intensifies and even like um, brings forward like, oh, what are these animals capable of? And he actually saw what this animal is capable of, and it's really terrifying. You know, it's like yeah, it's one of the best intros to a film but it's also bringing you context of like oh this is an unnatural animal that hasn't been here for like millions of years and it came back it's like what the fuck did we just do or what the fuck did they just do Mm -hmm. to bring that shit back and literally like it's it's terrifying because you see the guy one of the guys just like get lifted up from an unknown thing and you you don't see the fucking animal at all and I think that's like one of the strong points of that intro because again, Spielberg not showing the creature brings in more of an imagination of what's going on of not seeing because it's just it it just makes it even more scary and more intense without knowing of what's really really happening because he could have just because you only see like the top half of this guy getting taken in but what the hell's going on in the other half. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, again, it's this is definitely a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's what's dope about it. It's uh, it has kids in it, so it's like at first, and that's what's really cool about this it's movie. It's a good mix, and know. uh, it's it kind of gives that horror movie beginning of like, yeah, everything's gonna be cool, everything's gonna be all right, and then it's like havoc fucking ensues, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, I think one of the scariest parts was probably the Velociraptor scene. You know, because it's suspenseful. You know, it's like these two little kids versus like an army of fucking Velociraptors. And somehow they end up outsmarting them, you know? Yeah. And then as as a little kid, you're like, that's cool. Because it's like, you know, we could do anything. I wouldn't do. I could have done that, too. You know? Yeah, it's getting kind of giving hope. It's just like, oh, shit. Like, it's also the fascination of kids being brought into this world of, you know, Jurassic Park, but also like. Oh well, there's danger here, so we have to outsmart them as well. Yeah, 
You know, it's just like the mix of both. And even though the adults actually said like, oh, it's danger all the time. <laughs> and it's crazy because like they were smart, but to a point, like if they saw that reflection, they couldn't tell the difference, you know, between like a reflection and the real thing. Yeah, they're you still, know? if so anything, they could they're be still tricked. Learning. Yeah. You know, it was trick only because it didn't learn what a reflection is. You know, they're just learning how to do things like they learn. They just barely learn how to fucking open doors. And that's mm. smart in itself. But for the reflection, it's just like, oh, that's something they still haven't figured out. In a way, there are kids. It's kids against kids Mm -hmm. in that sense. Yeah. And, I mean, it was definitely like a fucking battle to be reckoned with. I remember that that fool started eating on that Jello. I I don't know why, but I always remember that shit. And I was like, damn, I wish I could eat that Jello. It looks tasty. What is she looking terrified for? Just eat it already. Oh man, the the cup with the water. Doof, doof, doof. You can't do that in beer. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> it just moves. That's fine. Movement's yeah, fine. Exactly. Beer's yeah. too dense, huh? It's too dense, apparently. But oh, that shit's bomb. Yeah, that shit's good, man. That shit's. Really I like this great. one. It's really and like. It's chilling. I'm chilling on it. All right. Should we talk about top twos? Are we done with the uh, top twos? Characters and some scenes? Yeah. Let's go top twos. I mean, I guess we already kind of covered one, you know? What's covered one? The the Velociraptor scene. That yeah. was one of the best ones right there. I guess I would say the T-Rex Palox That's scene. what I was going to say earlier when I brought up top twos was the T-Rex scene with the Jeeps. That shit was fucking no, no, no. awesome. When they first came into the... Oh, the goat? Yeah, with the whole goat and everything. Yeah, the goat. Is he going to eat the goat? That was a good one. <laughs> well, you never had a lamb chops kid? <laughs> Damn. But that whole scene was like a perfect build-up. Um, it wasn't just like the CGI that sold it. I think it was just a build-up of having to... Um, Wait Not to see, see the dinosaur and then waiting to see like, oh, the T-Rex. The T-Rex. Yeah. Because they did bring it up earlier. It says, like, oh, we clocked the T-Rex at 33 miles per hour. You have a T-Rex? And then when the T-Rex shows up, the power is out. The T-Rex figures out the power is out. And then, of course, that's how the whole build-up team. All right, I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to fuck with these guys. And, and you I'm were also saying them. earlier during that scene, the rain and stuff was real. It wasn't real, but it was artificial because... There was a hurricane going on, so they wanted to match, like, oh, that right. scene. Right. But, I mean, as soon as the T-Rex just, like, comes out, <laughs> it, like, rips through the whole fence. But here's the thing. I don't want to ruin this for you guys. I feel kind of bad about it. But if you realize that shit, T-Rex comes out, right? No problem. But it's also the same entry point that the car fell in. And the car fell in like 200 feet down. So how the fuck did the T-Rex get through there if got it was through 200 it feet when there down? was like this? Yeah. Was it flying? Editing problems or issues. That's something they never thought about. <laughs> but I, I guess from the editor's point of view, you can kind of see that. I'm just like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> well, the only thing is they, it pushed the car to another area that was... 200 I, feet I below. Get, yeah, I guess you could make that <laughs> argument, but I don't know. <laughs> um, 
I think it was one of the great scenes in just film history ever. Like it just they didn't just focus on the CGI and what they did, but it just it builds up to that. It was like it was like a queen making her entrance. Of course, given the fact that they're all girls, and then you know, the king of all the girls, probably the name is the queen. She made her entrance, and we got to see like, this is the T Rex. This is the top predator of that time, and now it's on the art times. And a lot of technicality came in through that, and a lot of difficulty came through that. And to make a great scene. Um, to push through that great scene, a lot of difficulty had to like um, be pushed forward for that. And honestly, they just did a great job on that. What are you talking about? Scene where they comes out and then the banner drops? No, that's after. What scene are you talking about? I'm just still talking about the paddock scene. <laughs> <coughs> you mean when it comes out yeah, and it starts, starts when and it starts threatening them? Yeah. Yeah. It was outside the rain scene, the whole scene. Yeah, and that was crazy because like that's what really puts you on the edge. After that after that part you're not okay for the rest of the movie. <laughs> you know what you I'm saying? You get to see the actual dangers that they were like telling you. Cuz oh okay, this became real because after the power's out, after all the safety's down, you get to see how these dinosaurs like fucking react. To the world that they're now in. And of course, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be threatening. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Back it up. What? I forgot one of the biggest characters, man. The fatty. Dennis? Yes, Dennis. The nephew of the... He's not a nephew. Yeah, he's his nephew. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Nephew to who? The main dude. Who's the main dude? The old guy. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No. Look it up. I'm serious, he is. I was going to put something up. Like, all right. I'm telling you right now, how much you want to bet? Is Dennis? That's his name. That was a... Is Dennis nearly related to John Hammond? See? No, I'm putting that as in. No. Okay, so this is one of the questions. Was Dennis Neary Hammond's son? He made a joke where he says like, oh, thanks, Dad. Anyways, Dennis Neary and Henry Wu are John Hammond's metaphorical sons. He neglects them for both for the park, and they both react accordingly. Metaphorical sons. Metaphorical huh? sons. That's weird. No, I totally see that. Because I feel like he kind of pushes them, but they're just like, yeah, whatever, Dad. Like, okay. Like, I feel like they're more, um, what do you call it? What do you call me rebellious? all the time? Rebellious. What? They're more rebellious? No, no, what? no. What do you call me all the time? Cocksucker? No. <laughs> I'll call you that. I don't know what you mean. Um, the opposite of optimism. Uh, pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, they're more pessimistic on things. Yeah, you and can say they, that again. They, yeah, and they and they see through that, and they're just like, bro, like I'm just trying to do my own thing. Like, shut the fuck up. 
But no, nah, you're wrong. Looks like you're wrong, bitch. <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. I could have swore there was a line in there. It was like, oh yeah, he's no, no, my no. I know what you're talking about. It was because um, he was telling him something, and it says like, oh yeah, gee, thanks, dad. He was giving him advice, but yeah. maybe it was kind of like not being appreciated about that. Yeah, because he sees through that bullshit. Yeah, and he's just like, oh yeah, thanks, dad. Even though he's gonna stab him in the back, because in the way he was like a. He was a corporate spy. Yeah, he was trying to steal all of the DNA. That's the whole plot of the yeah. movie, man. How could we forget this guy? The pro- no, well, that was one of the things. That was one of the threat lines about it. That's why the power went down. Because of him. Yeah. Because they didn't predict that either. Mm-hmm. You have all these guys, but you never know who's going to fucking betray you. And this guy just did it for the money. He just went like, okay, well, let's just... I'm just going to fuck this guy over. And figured out a way to get out of the island with yeah, all the embryos that he put in Costa the Rica. barrel Yeah, and that that's what I was going to come to. Now bringing it back to top twos. <laughs> that scene of him and the fucking, that other, what, uh, what's that dinosaur? The lifosaur. Yeah, the one. Oh, that he shit was fucking crazy. Yeah, that dinosaur doesn't actually like uh, spray out poison. Who cares? That shit was cool. But it was still cool when they went to that shit. It's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't do that. And it's like, well, it's kind of cool, actually, when he does it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is fucking cool. <laughs> it's the coolest thing in the movie. He has, like, his own uh, mace. Yeah. He just maced him and then, like, started attacking him. And he's, like, all pristine and, like, all fucking fancy boy. And then he fucking just spits out this wad of fucking black tar at him. Yeah, it was poison. Yeah, and I mean, like... like, It was like a snake. And then you see the Barbasol container go into the fucking... Under the mud. Into the mud, yeah. And then later on in the movie... Later on in the... Don't they Don't they end up finding that? Like, So I thought they ended up finding it in, like, later on in the movies. I I don't know if it's still canon, but they said that they did find it, but in the movies, it never came up. Everyone was expecting for that shit to come up in the later movies, but no, it didn't. It makes sense though. It that makes sense, sense that it got yeah. buried under mud. Like it got. Well, no, you see it. You see it. Get yeah, I know. Buried. It got buried under the mud, yeah. and then it's just kind of saying like, "Oh, that's also fossilized." Yeah. To the earth. Yeah, but I mean that whole scene with the whole when he was trying to use the wench. Yeah. And stuff. It was just like, man. It, it was just like, what are you doing, you idiot, you idiot? Yeah. The whole time the audience is just like, no, no, no. Yeah, and he was also taunting the dinosaur, which is kind of his dog. He was being a jerk. He was being a jerk. No wonder you're extinct. I'm gonna go up there. If you if you're still down there, I'm just, I'm gonna run you over. <laughs> he does say that shit. <laughs> He's an asshole for yeah. sure. Uh good casting. Fucking John Wayne. Uh, not John Wayne. Um, <laughs> Seinfeld's neighbor. Was he his neighbor? Yeah. Newman. 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 That's him. Fucking Newman. One of the best characters. But that was one of my favorite scenes for sure, dude. Right there. Yeah. I I think you got your last scene. We already talked about the dinner scene. That's actually a really good one. Um, The beginning... It sets up the tone right. Bronchiosaur sets up the tone right. Um, when you say, I would say when I guess, you say sets the tone right, what do you mean by that? It's like they know 
what the danger is when it comes to like the intro. And also, it's not also just danger, but also it's fascination. It's this is what this movie is about. It's just the danger and the fascination of both, because the intro brings you the danger when they first come into the island and they saw the Brachiosaurus. That's the fascination part. So it's bringing both like opposite um, components into the movie. There's just like oh, it makes us so well. But I mean, that's all of life. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. there's the pro and cons on on everything. Um, that's what I mean by that. I'm trying to find my fucking scene. Oh, well, actually, I really like that scene with the. Uh, it also brings a danger, but also like an adventure aspect to it. But when he gets after the T Rex, like uh, pushes the fucking car, the cart over. Oh yeah, that shit was dope. And then Timmy is stuck crazy. in there. And when when that car gets pushed over, that's all CGI. When it gets like, um, when it falls down. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't realize that shit, but it actually like, that's, that whole car is CGI. That's fucking dope. Yeah, because they, they avoided that shit. Like, they're like, reach for the other wire. And then the car falls over and then they just go back and it's just like, oh, okay. But, I don't know. I think that's character growth, but also like just the point of the movie where it's just like, okay, the kids realize that it's not all fun and games and Timmy's just there and he's just like feeling bad. He's just like, fuck, that was traumatizing. And he tells him like, I threw up. He's like, I'm not going to tell anyone that you threw up. He's just like, that's not the worst part of that. Yeah. Of what you just went through. So, you know, he does his effort. It's like, oh, it's a kid. Like, what the fuck? Like, and of course he brings them out of the fuck he tries to bring him out of the car to get out of the fucking tree and then the car is just like clinging in there and they have to climb down and as the car is just coming down he's just like oh that's another peril adventure scene it's and like edge of your seat yeah and you're edge of your seat and as soon as you can just get out of it it's like oh punchline I guess we're back in the car <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it's just like, oh, it's 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 a good scene. It's also like, you know, again, character growth because he went to go save Tim. That's I mean, but that's definitely something that Spielberg saying like this is how we're going to ease the tension of this scene that just happened. Yeah, they're okay, And then they made a joke out of it. And it's just like, okay, we're okay. Danger. Also fascination. Yeah, but I mean, it was but that like I'm saying, like at that point, that's when you knew like. The potential of the danger and everything like that from there on out. You know, it was like, holy shit. Like, no, I think the danger was like getting close to that fucking T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, after they met But the after that tree, it's just like, fucked. oh, it's yet another danger that doesn't involve the dinosaurs. It's yep. just, yeah, this is a real situation. But, you know, they got brought out of it. All right. So I think now is the time to introduce a new segment. A new segment. This one's called... The top cinco muertes. Dun, dun, so, of course, this movie has brought forward not just, you know, the first one, but also there was also The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, all of the Jurassic World movies. <coughs> trash. And, <laughs> I mean, the movies might have not been great as the first one, but they had a lot of memorable scenes. 
Especially when it comes to the death. And of course, dinosaurs do need to fucking kill their own prey just to get fed on. And there's a lot of memorable ones, memorable ones out there and stuff. So I decided to call it Cinco Muertes, which is a pun or a reference to the movies, because um, they're not just—it's not just one island. There's like a set of five islands, and they were only reference like. Uh, Isla Nublar and Isla Sonar and then the rest of the three is just right there but they're all like considered as like one area. set of islands yeah. like Hawaii just one area and then they just the locals just call it oh La Cinco Muertes it's like well why do they call it that it's because they created this dinosaurs and all all we see is death but I think there's like more pre-context of why they call it like La Cinco Muertes I don't know I don't know if it was it has to do with imperialism. I don't know if it has to do with like you know anything that might have happened in the history of Costa Rica. But I mean, Costa Rica is the closest thing to like those islands and stuff. But yeah, Cinco Muertes. Um, so top five it, deaths. We're gonna split it into deserved deaths and undeserved deaths. Five each. Five each. He's got this set up already, people. I'm yeah. just going along for the ride like you. Exactly. So, I guess I'll go for undeserved death. Um, I'm not going to go in specific order. It's just whatever comes into mind. Um, undeserved death. I guess I would say in the lost world, in the beginning. This is also in the book where the girl, she goes into the island. They don't know that there's it's filled with dinosaurs. It's like the plan B of like where they bred dinosaurs. It's a snornar, uh, snornar. And a family, just basically, they, they just cruise down there. They fucking go there. And then one of the girls discovers like, oh, there's like a little lizard or whatever. And then she doesn't know it's a dinosaur. And then the dinosaur is just like, oh, we want to see what you're feeding us. And then there's a dozen of them. And then more. And then more. And then she basically gets mauled by them. You see it off screen, and it's kind of like, oh, fuck, that's kind of dark. But that sets off the movie. <laughs> so that little girl is just getting mauled. Well, I don't think she dies. Well, she definitely gets mauled. She definitely gets mauled. So <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess this is like something gruesome, if anything. Um, I'll definitely say that. Um, another one that comes to mind... Uh, Damn, I don't think there's a lot for the undeserved. But there's definitely the one with Oh, Sam Jurassic Jackson. World. Oh, Sam Jackson, yeah. That was undeserved. He was actually cool. And then all he, he tries to turn the power back on, and then all you see is his arm just pop off. Just like, oh, Ellie's just like right there, and she's like, oh, Dr. Arnold. And then his arm comes off. It's just like, oh shit, <laughs> like fuck. It's that like, shit freaked. That was that shit for freaked me. me that out. Was I was like, just like, god damn. Ah. You know what I thought? I was just like, god damn. Like that's like literally a big Barbie doll arm. <laughs> that's fucking huge. <laughs> I was just like, oh shit. That shit was crazy, man. That definitely scarred me after that. That was crazy. Another undeserved death. Another well, undeserved death. Let's do a deserved death. How about that one? I'm just trying to go to the undeserved. Um, there's also Zara, who's from Jurassic World, the first one. Um, 
one of the flying dinosaurs come out. The pterodactyl. I don't. It wasn't a pterodactyl. It was something different. But they grabbed her, and then she gets um, pulled into the air, and then she falls into the water, and then one of them grabs them, and then the one that grabs them gets eaten by like the the mosasaur. Oh yeah, that shit was crazy. And I was just like, that was actually con- controversial at the time. Because people are like, oh, that's the first time a woman got killed on screen in the Jurassic World movie. And she didn't deserve it. Well. She was just looking over the kids and then she was kind of smart about it. Because if you notice, like she was reading Ian Malcolm's book and he was just trying to learn about like, oh, what's this whole thing that he's trying to tell us about dinosaurs and stuff. And she was just being smart about things and stuff. Yeah, well, undeserved. Undeserved. Really undeserved. She could have been a vital character later on. Exactly. Un- another undeserved. Oh, I know one. So it was a guy in the same movie, Jurassic World, where a guy was just trying to do his job. Then they were trying to track down the um, Indoraptor. Uh, yeah, no, not Indoraptor. The Indominus Rex, and they were around the. They were tracking him down. It was like, where is it? And then all you see is just like a piece of its. Um, a piece of meat that the Dominus Rex like um, took out of itself, and there was a tracking device, so it figured out where the tracking device was. And then before you know it, it was too late that the Dominus Rex could act, actually camouflage, and it attacks the whole fucking team. Oh shit! It attacks the first guy. He like literally. Gra- uh, what does he do? He like I think he steps on them. No, he. I forget. There were so many deaths in that whole scene. That shit was crazy. Yeah, that shit was crazy. I just hate it when it just like stepped on them and they just like died. He just like straight up like just his whole fucking chest just like crushed down. Yeah. Under pressure of like, you know, the stomping Isn't that one of the scenes where like it shows the video of Yeah, it's the video feed and then everyone dies one by one. That shit, that was cool though. That was pretty cool. Honestly, that was cool because it reminded me of Aliens. It reminded me of Call of Duty. It reminds you of Aliens, but yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was an undeserved death. Last one. Uh, Lost World Jurassic Park, Eddie Carr. I think if you ever watched that movie, the one movie, <laughs> the one part that scarred you was when he was trying to save everyone from the trailer and used the car to like, you know, pull that shit back. Uh-huh. But instead, the T- two T-Rexes came back from that site attacked the car while Eddie was trying to drive and you know he was trying to like use the dart to like you know shoot them back but like there was a netting on the car that was caught on like the barrel of the gun cause they had like a tip and it got caught on it and he couldn't get him so the T-Rex got him lifted him up by the legs and put him up in the air the other T-Rex Got him on his other half, and they chopped him in half. Oh shit! Yeah, undeserved death. <laughs> he was trying to do the good, the right thing, and then instead he just got chopped in half. Despair, man. Despair. Life finds a way, I guess. Life finds a way to get nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess the fun ones deserved. Deserved. Can you think of one? Oh man, the bathroom one. The bathroom. lawyer. 
Oh God! In the first one. <laughs> That's definitely one. When the T Rex goes up and he goes to find him, and the guy's just taking the shit. And he, goes, ah! he he and deserved just... it because not only not only is he a blood cox, um blood sucking lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> blood sucking lawyer, but he ran away from the kids because as soon as he saw the T Rex, he's just like. <laughs> he's just panicked. It was just like, oh, that was the moment of being a coward. You know, when your ass was so focused on the money, you just ran away from, like, what's making you the money and stuff. Uh-huh. But, yeah, he just ran from the fucking kids. And uh, another thing they didn't mention in the movie. No, they did mention in the movie that a lot of people didn't notice. The kids are going through a um Their parents a are going through a divorce. Yeah. yeah. So him by, by Lexi saying, like, oh, he left us. He left us. He's basically saying like, oh, the male figure at that time just left us. The same way like part of the dad left them. Yeah. You know, so it's just like a double meaning in that. But yeah, he was a coward and uh, <laughs> he went to the bathroom. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Let's go. <laughs> <You know>? But <laughs> as opposed to Ian who has like fuck, fucking five kids at that point. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like fuck that guy you yeah. gotta go you gotta go um another deserved death deserved death oh god in Jurassic World um Dominion no not Dominion Fallen Kingdom the second one uh there was a game warden it was sort of similar to Molden but he was an asshole and he collected dinosaurs teeth as trophies. Uh, he's already been established on that. And then when he meets up with the Indominus, the Indoraptor, I'm sorry, uh, it's just caged up. And then, you know, he's in the middle after the auction. He's just like, where's everyone? And I was like, oh, whatever. And he's like, I didn't see you at the island. He shoots him. He darts him twice from the Indominus Rex, Indominus uh, Raptor. And mind you, this is not a natural fucking animal. This is not an actual dinosaur. Um, it goes down, and then he goes in the cage, and little does he know, like, oh, he's actually still awake. Uh-huh. And I like the way that it's it's a dumb movie, but the way that the raptor fucking smirks when you know it's getting his teeth pulled out, but it doesn't know like it's still awake. He's just like, I'm gonna fucking catch you. And then when he actually gets him, he's just like, goes for the attack. He goes for the arm, and then he lifts him up, and then it just rips his arm off. That's just like Jurassic World, bro. That's one of the, bro, that's literally one of, I'm saying like, that's Jurassic World too. Yeah. Right? But the only thing that's a criticism is just like, not enough blood got spilled out, because that was unrealistic. Yeah. And it got his arm chopped off, and then he's just like, oh, like, uh, like, oh, no, 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 what are you going to do with me? <laughs> and, you know, the Adominus Rex just, like, swallows <laughs> its fucking arm, and then he's just, like, holding on to dear life, like, like, stop, don't do it. And then, you know, he deserved it because he was being a fucking asshole at that point. And he just, like, mauls him. Yeah. Like, you don't, if you pay close attention, he fucking takes his arm off as well. He basically takes his whole fucking limbs. It doesn't just, like, kill him. He makes him fucking suffer. He's, like, the interactive is fucking sadistic. Like, it's just, like, a fucking... I gotta see that shit. one. I haven't Bro, seen that it's one yet. Sucking, it's, like, so sick. 
Um, the in Jurassic World, I gotta say, another deserved death was also the bad guy, the sergeant that was trying to go against him and be like, "Oh, we're gonna use these for like military tools. These are the biggest Jurassic killing World. machines." Yeah. And then what does he end up doing? He's like, "Oh, we're cool, we're cool," and it, bites it, and it fucking bites <laughs> his hand up. Yeah, like, this is definitely a good one. Yeah, fuck it's that just like, fool. Yeah, it's just like, bro, like these are animals, not fucking weapons. And then they made him a weapon in the second one. I'm just like, uh, no, it's good. No, that's a good one. Um, I had one on the top. I want to say that girl that got picked up and then eaten. No, that's undeserved. I already said that. <laughs> <He's> stupid. <laughs> Fucking um, definitely not molding. Damn, that should have been on un- undeserved. That's another one. Oh, uh, wasn't there one in part three where there was like uh triceratops or there was like something going on? What? It was like military people or something like that. I don't know. The military shows up at the end, but they don't do anything. What about uh? I mean. I mean, all the deaths were pretty cool. Let's just say it like that. Yeah, let's just say it like that. Um, <laughs> that was the movie Magic. Oh, fucking Lost World. The nephew. I think that's what you were talking about. Yeah. There is a nephew in the second one that was trying to like get all the dinosaurs out of the island and make a whole new thing in San Diego. Uh-huh. So... He basically, at the end of the movie, they bring the T-Rex back into the boat after it escaped. And uh, this guy was like left there with like the baby T-Rex. <laughs> and he goes in there without knowing like, oh, Papa T-Rex is right behind you. And it's going back into the boat. And then he realizes like, oh, shit. And then the Papa T-Rex, he tries to escape out of the boat. But the Papa T-Rex brings him back and he's like, you know, bites on him, brings him back for the baby to kill him. Yeah. And then there's that moment where he's just like looking at him. He gets killed off screen. And then the baby, the Papa T-Rex is like, there you go, son. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was a deserved death right there. <laughs> um, Another deserved death. Oh, right wait. There. Number one, deserved death. Fucking Dennis Neary. Dennis. Yeah. Because he fucked him up. And then he's actually... I I would recommend reading the novel because the novel was like way more uh gory. Gorier, yeah, in really? details. So Dennis Neary actually got killed in the novel. He actually got killed because the he still gets killed by the same the dinosaur, but it was much older, much bigger, where he basically grabs it I think it grabs him and then he just like uses his claws and basically disembowels him. And oh, all his shit. guts come out and he realizes guts are coming out and by the time he notices that he buys some the dinosaur buys him on the fucking head lifts him up like 50 like a few feet up and in the novel it describes what was going in his mind like oh i hope this is gonna end you know soon because i'm like fucking suffering my guts are coming out and it just crushes its head and then just like eats on him so <laughs> That's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, we need to see that crazier. movie. Then we got to see the movie. I think of we that just version. need to like get a remake, like even if it's like a mini series and whatnot. But either way, I think people deserve to see like Jurassic the, Park the novel version. Fuck. On HBO Max. I'm, I mean, just the Max. 
Max. Let's <laughs> see what we can do, people. That's I think, all, I think everyone would watch that shit, too. Yeah, I think that's all of the Cinco Muertes. Wait, hold on. We got one honorable mention. Here it is. Come on up, Shay. Um, please, Shay. Uh, hi, Mr. No. New segment, people. It's so dark in here. All right, so uh, let's wrap it up with the ta with the sip on this. Yeah, what do you got? Um, Jurassic Park people. If you like pop ups and stuff, I heard about this experience that they're doing at Universal Studios in Orlando. Nah. Yeah, it's like a retail experience, but it's a pop up with all like the biggest scenes from the movie. And you can basically go and put yourself in the scene and like they have a giant T-Rex and you can like lie in the Jeep and like take a photo, stuff like that. Right. It's like a pop-up thing. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. I saw the pictures online and they went all out on the sets. Is it the exhibit? It's like an exhibit. It's like a retail. They made like an experience where you could go and check out stuff. But there's also like moments where you can go and take pictures and stuff. It's like a walk around exhibit. Yeah. Because I know about that. And it's way better than the whatever they had in Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, no, they're have they're mixing it's all both. over the world. Yeah, so they they have one in Orlando, but at the Universal Studios one, they have like the actual like actual shit from the movies and stuff. Yeah, if anything. Yeah, huh? That's funny. Yeah, so there's that. That's my sip on this. Okay, so my sip on this, I would say just go to Universal. St- I'm kidding. <laughs> no, honestly. Um, yeah, Universal Studios, like, if you're trying to go, go for the Express, because everything is just, like, so fucking packed all the fucking time, <laughs> and, yeah, you, you just want to do that, if anything, um, but there's also this one site, I, I think I'm going to share it on the link, where you could actually get shirts from, like, um, I saw this in IG, and it's, it's like, Basically, Hawaiian shirts is very Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Like. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. You've seen that, right? They look pretty tight. And I was just like, I forgot about that, and I was like, fuck, I want to buy that shit now. Yeah, that's fucking good. But yeah, yeah I'll definitely show you the link for that one, and for all those good reasons and stuff. But also, I would definitely recommend like uh, some of the documentaries, some of the things that we researched for that went into like you know the making of this episode and stuff. So. Yeah, go check us out, if anything. We're at goldencraftcast at gmail.com. Goldencraft. Uh, no, it's goldencraftrun at gmail.com. Goldencraftcast Craft on IG. IG. We're on Spotify. Hit Run the button. Anchor. And uh, thank you for joining us for episode 115, Jurassic Park 30th anniversary, baby. We drank a couple beers here. One's La Shore, Bohemian South Pilsner by Della Hunt Brewing Company. And the other one was King Sue by. Uh, It'll be up in the thing, man. It's going to be up in the thing. It's definitely good beers. Thanks for listening. Love, peace, and chick grease, everybody. All right, cool.